Hello and welcome to Real Madrid Weekly. Uh, this is Gabe Lesra coming to you live from Cadiz and uh, via Skype are uh, my two partners in uh, this wonderful little venture here, uh, Mark and Corey from RealMadridFootballBlog.com. I'm, of course, from ManagingMadrid.com. And, uh, well, we're coming to you after one of the better weekends that I can, you know, remember as a Real Madrid fan. Uh, Corey, how are you feeling? I feel great. I, uh, you know, it's one thing to win the Derby, which has been happening quite frequently in the past decade. It's another to see uh, Barcelona drop points, um, not only on the weekend of the Derby, but two probably one of their closest teams in terms of, terms of like an ally, I suppose. So it was really a really satisfying feeling. Yeah, it really was, <laughs> especially the Heta, who are just such a such a fun team to root for. Uh, Mark, you pretty much on the same boat, right? Amen to that. Amen to all that. Yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a couple of uh, days for for Madrid here. So I suppose we should just roll right into it. Uh, so uh, before we get to this wonderful uh, weekend, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Champions League. Uh, we demolished Dinamo uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Excuse me, not Kiev. Six to two, but with some of the most amazing nine minutes of soccer at the beginning of the match that I've ever seen. Uh, yo, Corey, what do you what did you think about that? It was pretty crazy, right? I don't know. You know, it was, it was amazing to me because I remember seeing and to build to the game that the Dynamo coach was saying he wanted to plot the uh, upset of Real Madrid. He th- thought that they weren't going to be concentrated on the game and all this. And it's like, well, what happened? Because the first nine minutes there, that that you know, twenty minute spell, the team, the Dynamo team was just non existent. They weren't on the field. There were so many errors, just a lack of concentration. Uh, and I think that's sort of what Mourinho has built his team around is to really capitalize on any sort of slip up that the other team makes, um, which some would say is good, some would say is bad. I, I thought it was great. It was an incredible first nine minutes. Um, it was uh, three goals. Uh, Madrid set records in terms of being the first or the fastest to score three goals in the history of the Champions League. Uh, and I think it's the fastest to ever lead by four goals. Uh, which we did within twenty or uh, twenty minutes after the the the, four, the fourth goal, which was also brilliant. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole all the goals I thought were just fantastic. Yeah. Um, there weren't any fluky ones. I mean, it just really seemed like there was some really great play. Uh, granted, it was against Dinamo. So, uh, Mark, what were your thoughts on uh, on I don't know some some you know some kind of random musings on the game? Well, maybe the the best way I could kind of talk about the game is to talk about the experience of the game where. Uh, my cable TV TV operator didn't uh, show it live, so I tried to stream the match. And uh, by the time I hopped onto a stream, we were one nil up. And as I opened a new browsing window just to find out who scored that goal, on the other window I hear go 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 go. <laughs> it means I completely missed the second goal. And after a short while, the stream started to get choppy, and I then tried to move to another stream. By the time I hopped onto another stream, it was three 0 and then it got choppy. I moved on to the other to another stream. By the time it, I hopped onto that other stream, it was four 0 So um, I think I didn't really get to see the match until uh, live because I probably I only got to see it maybe I think two nights after. Uh, sorry, I was I saw it on Saturday morning uh, here in Singapore. So. I, it's been actually quite a you know quite some time since the match took place before I actually got to saw it to see the game, but I, I feel that the experience of just trying to keep up with how fast we were scoring the goal the goals was telling of how 
you know, how awesome and fearsome, you know, the domination that Real Madrid displayed during that game. Yeah, it was it was something else. I mean, um, it was it was yeah. You know, watching it on the on the uh, on the TV, I was I had some plans uh, <clears throat> that I had made for right after the match, and uh, you know, I was tempted after the first twenty minutes where I was like, well, okay, this match is already over. I'm just gonna go. Um, but I, you know, I, I stuck it out. I watched the whole thing. It was nice to see the team playing so well, and mainly I stuck around because I wanted to see if we would, I don't know, score eight or something crazy like that. And uh, in the end, it was uh, it was pretty cool to see everyone kind of working together well, and maybe not even the the people that you would always uh, kind of pick out of the lineup uh, of the very formidable Real Madrid lineup doing some fun fun stuff to see. Like uh, Las, I thought was good, um, and and Shaheen, I, I thought was really interesting. So I think we should talk a little bit about him, seeing as he played in the center of the midfield uh, next to Xavi. So what did you guys think about that? I thought it was an interesting call only because, you know, Shabby Shabby Alonso, he needs rest. And I thought this game was probably the best opportunity to provide that for him. Um, But nonetheless, I thought uh, Sahin looked very good. Um, I think what fans are probably expecting is a player who is going to play a lot like Otzel. He's going to be very dynamic, move the ball up the field, score a lot of goals. That's not what Sahin's like. Sahin is a, a strong passer, but he plays rather deep. And I think what Mourinho likes best about him is how much area he can cover in a pressing game, um, how well he screens his defense. So that will be something that I think Real Madrid fans might have to get a little adjusted to. I've seen a lot of hype about the guy when he's been injured, that you know he's going to be a, the missing piece of the puzzle. And it's like, well, no, as good a player he is, I think he's just a piece of the puzzle. Um, he's just one of many players, um, but very excellent in his role. He's very good at what he what he does. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I, I love the guy. I've loved him since he was at Dortmund. Um, I'm a big Dortmund fan because of not just because of him, but just the way, the way they played. And he was a large part of the reason why they played that way. So um, definitely something to look forward to in his uh, his start. I guess next weekend at uh, Sporting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mark, did you have any anything to add on on that little partnership? Well, one of the things that uh, that kind of struck me when I was watching Sahid play was. I was very, very much reminded of what Corey uh, basically said that we should expect from Sahin if we saw him play, um, you know, for the first time. And number one, I was surprised that he actually got 90 full minutes. When I saw him uh, start the game, I figured he'd have, Mourinho would probably yank him out after, at the 60th minute, but he played the full 90. And uh, I think Corey was quite right. He was quite spot on uh, during, you know, when we talked last, during the last podcast, where it, uh, Corey said that he'll probably keep it simple. He will, you know, he won't uh, attempt kind of like a Hollywood passes, as they like to call it in the premiership, you know, and he, he didn't, you know, attempt any of such Hollywood passes. The kind of things that we see uh, from the highlight reels of the YouTube videos that we see of him, you know, making these like raking, you know, 40, 50 yard passes that just create uh, opening goals, uh, create openings to, to score goals. He didn't do any of that, but I thought he kept the midfield very, very fluid. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, that Mourinho uh, trusts the two of them, uh, Chabi Alonso and Sahin, to play side by side together in a game, rather than in, which basically indicates to us that Sahin is not just kind of seen as a guy who can play the Chabi Alonso role, but he's also a guy who can play as Chabi Alonso's partner. And I think um, when we have uh, we we. We, we, when we face teams that eventually figure out that Chabi Alonso is the guy we can close down to stop Madrid, once you have that other passing alternative from a deeper position like Sahin, 
then I think teams will have that much harder a time trying to stop us. Yeah, definitely. Now, do you think, uh, and this question goes to either of you now, would you think that this, that that partnership could be good enough to even stick in a, in a, in a double pivot in the center of the midfielder? Do you think they need someone else who plays more of a, a stronger defensive role there? See, it's difficult to say. We've seen the stronger defensive role used in the past what, year and a quarter or so with Loss and with Kadira, and I think it takes away a lot from the team because um, not knocking Loss or Kadira, but their involvement in the build-up play is often quite limited um, to sort of the um, uh, horizontal pass that's sort of shoveling the ball between the between the lines there. Um, with Sahin, you have someone who's going to be much more involved in the build-up play, almost an architect of, of a lot of goals. And as Mark said, it, it gets that dynamic that you shut down one, well, then the other will step forward and sort of you know pick you apart with his passing. Uh, and that's very difficult for, for an opposition team to devote so much resources to stopping the flow of the ball in the middle of the field when you have the players like Ronaldo and Di Maria and Benzema and Ozil who are so good in just ones or twos um, they only need a little bit of space ahead of them. So you have that sort of um, dynamic of that quick counterattacking play that you can get from the front three or four. But you also have that steady buildup from the, from the central midfield. And I really like um, playing those two together. I think it's very wise. Uh, and it, it is worth pointing out, though, that Zabi Alonso, as I mentioned, is not a great tackler. I don't think Sahin is a fierce tackler either. Um, but what they both do well is they both press and screen well. And I think um, with the emergence of Sergio Ramos in the center of defense, uh, I think that will be less of a problem not having a strong tackler in front of the defense because Ramos is um, so good positionally as opposed to Pepe, who's more of a you know fly out of position and, and, and you know destroy the player, but he get, wins the ball type thing. Uh, it brings a little bit more of a balance into the squad. Yeah, there's. I feel like there's definitely definitely a balance that that is that we're really getting towards uh, more and more this season. Um, now, Mark, would you do you have anything to add on this point? Or you uh, you want to t- kind of go on? I think that if uh, Chabi Alonso and Sahin should partner in a double pivot, a four two three one, in a way, uh, without let's say a Lasana Diara or without a Sami Kedira, in a way, it also means that Real Madrid have to change a bit in terms of the way they play the game. They probably have to play. A more possession-based uh, type of game. Um, you when when you play in a, a formation where you're not going to have a Sami Kadira or a Lasagna Diara who will be basically hurling themselves at uh, at midfielders to like heat-seeking seeking missiles to try to win the ball if we lose it. Uh, the Madrid has to kind of learn to keep the ball better when they when should, should they choose to play uh, with a Sahin Chabi Alonso kind of combination. But I think. One thing maybe to note is that um, I also find uh, I also observed that the last few games that we've had, the team has gotten better and better. Our possession statistics have also gotten better and better. So in a way, you know, this signing uh, Alonso partnership, you know, I think it, it's really leading to that. It's already leading up to that type of combination. Now that we kind of start, we're not we're now reaching a point where we're starting to master. The style of play where we also control the game, we also control possession. We're not just counterattacking. So yeah, yeah. I think the the two can definitely play together. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, as a fan, I'm extremely excited to see how this all, how this all plays out. Just because, you know, as Mark, or as, uh, as Corey, as you said, Shaheen has been so much fun. Uh, was so much fun at Dortmund that he he's going to be really fun to have in Madrid. Um, now, one, one, so one of the things that we saw from this game is that uh, Mourinho put started loss in right back, uh, I, I believe, and he did the same thing against against Atleti. Uh, what did you guys think of loss in in that position at, at right back? I thought he's improved. Um, I remember him playing at right back last year for a game or two, and I thought he was dreadful. So. It's definitely a, a big step up. I don't think it's a long-term solution for the right-back position or um, for Lotz getting game time. I think Arbeloa is certainly the starting right-back if Ramos is going to move into the middle. Um, and, and rightfully so. I think people underrate Arbeloa as a defender. I think he's excellent. Um, he might not be the best moving forward, but he's certainly, you know, he's certainly competent with the ball at his feet. Uh, I, I hearken back to... I can't remember the game now. I know. I remember last year against Almeria where he made this amazing run down the field to score. But he also did one at home against somebody. I can't remember now. Um, a party of 40, 50-yard run, Shabby Alonso picked him out, and he cut the ball inside of the keeper and just slotted it home. Like, most right backs in the world can't do that. So you got to give the guy credit there. Yeah. Uh, but what I wanted to kind of point out was how little the team seems to miss the previously heralded uh, Ricardo Clavio. I mean, I, I myself said, you know, the guy's a great defender. Um, he, he was definitely worth the, worth the purchase late in his career. And yet he hasn't played for a month or two now, and it seems like they haven't missed a beat without him. Uh, I think that's a testament to Ramos is how good a center back he, he is and can be. I definitely agree with that, actually. I think that's a very not-talked-about thing, especially considering that, actually, we do have another year of Ricardo Carvalho here. Uh, I believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm 90% sure, that he actually is still under contract uh, all the way through, not just this season, all the way through next season. I don't think it's a bad contract at all because I think that he's bringing a veteran leadership that – yeah, it's it's nice to have, and 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 he has a lot of experience. I'm always in favor of having these great veterans on the team just to talk to the young players, to talk to you know the the, uh, the kind of older players, and and he doesn't seem to me to have any issue with that uh, taking on that role, or at least not that now that he's been injured. And also, wow, Ramos has been so good. I never once talked about it. I know we've all talked about it before, but man, Ramos at center back has been one of the great. Great revelation. I don't even know if it's a revelation because we've seen him there before and he was also good. But one of the really amazing revelations of the year in that now he's – I would put him up there with the best in the world at center back without even hesitating. Definitely in my top five, maybe top three center backs in the entire world. And it's shocking because he was a right back for most of his career. Well, I think um, I'm probably one of the guys who Ramos – this is Ramos and Pepe partnership – is proving really wrong because um, if you would tell me Ramos and Pepe to partner a center back, I've always thought that uh, I mean prior to this string of games where they just played absolutely amazingly well together. But prior to that, if you told me Ramos and Pepe, I would say on paper it looks fantastic. But on game the game, the two guys are red cards waiting to happen, and you've got them uh, protecting the center of your defense. But I'm actually very very surprised by the kind of poise, the kind of uh, level of concentration, because Ramos is also a guy who I think we've seen him commit a few, like, we've seen him ball, uh, involved in a few ball-watching incidents quite a few times, but I'm very, very, very much impressed by the level of concentration, poise, and, you know, the, the old Ramos who, who kind of, like, 
you know, flies into ridiculous, unnecessary tackles and dangerous tackles and puts himself and his team in danger. We haven't seen that at all in the past, what, six, seven games he started at center back. And um, that partnership with Pepe is just flourishing because the two are excellent in the air. They're both very, very fast. Um, they're actually pretty good ball winners. And I would say they're also quite, uh, both Both are actually quite uh, okay as uh, as that in, in that ball-playing uh, center back role where they can actually make a decent pass to start an offensive play. Uh, maybe Ramos, uh, you know, to, to, a, to a great extent can do it, but uh, Pepe can do it as well. And we are seeing this uh, partnership flourish, and I'm very, very happy to see it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, and we're also lucky as uh, as fans to have this because uh, the fact is that we were lacking in a good center back partner for Pepe uh, when Carvalho went down. I mean, obviously, Albiol is a great player, but he's not. I mean, he's not Sergio Ramos right now at all. So it's good to see. So in that in that kind of vein, uh, we should probably talk a little bit about the the little match that we had on Saturday against our little brothers uh, Atleti. You know, Atleti. Um, Pretty much came out to to fight us and and really went tooth and nail for it. And the fact is that we, I didn't think that we looked necessarily better uh, until, uh, well, what is our first goal, which uh, incidentally coincided with their first uh, of their of their two red cards. So, what did you guys think about the the opening little bit of the match? I guess Mark or Corey, you can have this one. Um, I thought they had a good spell, but I think that they were a little too excited. Um, sort of a rush of blood to the head type situation, um, giving away a penalty like that. Uh, they just looked very, very uh, eager to impress, but they weren't very as conservative maybe they should have been in the opening few minutes. And I think that affected them. I mean, losing a goalkeeper so early in the game is going to affect you um, regardless of who you're playing against. So that's obviously difficult to come back from, and uh, obviously it, it affected them long term. And it definitely was a red card, right? There's no question about that one. The Atleti players were not happy about it. I've seen the replays. I've seen just stop-motion pictures, and yeah, it was a red card. Yeah. Um, and Mark, did you feel like we were a, a little bit struggling in the in the beginning half of that game, or, or am, I, am I a little bit seeing things? Uh, no, uh, definitely you're, you're, you're not seeing things. Um, I thought that uh, it was quite a, sur- a surprise because – you know, we've always kind of thought of Gregorio Manzano as this guy who, you know, plays Jedi mind tricks on his players with all of these uh, visualization hypnosis uh, things that uh, we read about him doing to his players that apparently, you know, hasn't worked out when he tried them out in, in the last few places. I think he tried it out in Sevilla, didn't work out with the players. And as far as, you know, we already know for a fact that, you know, the Atletico fans are not happy with him. And he's basically also uh, facing struggles with the Atletico dressing room. But I thought that uh, his decision to ask Diego to, in a sense, mark Xavi uh, Alonso, I thought that was a very, very effective tactic. And and I think that's where the Sahin discussion that we just had uh, comes in, you know, because when, when Diego was essentially um, shadowing Xavi uh, Alonso, our, our passing capability out of our side of the pitch was greatly diminished because you know, there was always this guy pestering Xavi Alonso. And uh, to me, when they lost uh, Thibaut Courtois um, during the, because of the penalty, I thought that it was, the, it was perhaps the big mistake of uh, Manzano to actually replace uh, Diego uh, or and uh, take take him out of the game, and all of a sudden, Chabi Alonso had all the room in the world to, you know, to to do what he does. And I mean, I suppose it's fine if you want to get Diego out because at that point in time, he already he was already 
uh, yellow carded because of the scuffle he was involved in with Angel Di Maria. But, you know, I would have thought that Manzano would have, you know, reassigned that role of shadowing Chabi Alonso to somebody else. And he didn't. And I thought, I thought that was essentially what costed the game. I, I actually really t- I completely agree with that sentiment. I, I, I mean, obviously, the uh, there are a lot of things that cost them the game. I think, <laughs> I mean, the uh, Courtois' yeah. uh, decision to actually go for Benzema there may have been one of the deciding influences, considering that, uh, it, and what I've heard is that Mourinho always tells his keepers, if they're by you like that, just uh, don't give up the penalty in the red card. Just let him let him score. I mean, yeah, you dive for the ball, but don't make, a, don't make an effort at the body of the player. Uh, I thought that was a huge mistake. Also... But I, I couldn't agree more with, with the decision to substitute Diego. Now, I, was, I actually got to – I'm going to tell the story uh, again. I, I got to watch this game in a bar in, in Madrid uh, with you know, a couple of my friends, my girlfriend, my dad. And uh, we, were in a, it was, we were surrounded by Real Madrid fans. And, uh, but there were a good number of Atleti fans there too. And so after the penalty, everyone jumped up in the air, started screaming. Uh, the Madrid fans were screaming at each other. The Atleti fans were screaming at the referee. Uh, there was a replay and, of course – you know, everyone kind of calmed down. Everyone kind of recognized it was a penalty. Uh, and, and then uh, the Atleti fans kind of started to curse out Courtois because they were really unhappy with him uh, on the play. And immediately after that, as they saw Diego running off, to, um, they were unbelievably angry at Manzano. So I think I don't think this is a weird or odd sentiment that we're all kind of sharing, that this was a mistake to take out Diego. It was, it was pretty much shared by everyone that I watched the game with. Um, well, see, I don't understand that because he's the easiest player to sacrifice. Um, you're not going to take out the, the lone striker, nor are you going to take out one of your two central midfielders um, and leave Diego you know, in between the lines, not doing any defensive work when you're a man down. Uh, it seems like the obvious, obvious uh, substitution there. Um, sure, you're, you're kind of giving up the game almost by replacing your most creative player, but then again, Manzano didn't decide to give Courtois a red card, so it's not really his fault. He's simply reacting to a bad situation. I think the Atletico fans need to sort of uh, look a little bit more into you know how to how to tactically set up against a, a very difficult opponent, and they'll see that it was probably the right decision, uh, I, regardless of the result. I wonder whether subbing out uh, the, the striker and then bringing in Reyes for one of the central midfielders wouldn't have made a better. At least that's what kind of the the, the kind of mumblings that I was hearing. Would have been a better decision, but I don't know if that. I mean, I don't know enough about the way Atletico works in the tactical sense to say, uh, obviously, as much as Manzano. So I, I shouldn't be questioning his decisions exactly, but uh, that's well, definitely what I was. Well, well, my sentiment is not so much as about substitute, substituting Diego himself per se. I think my issue is more like taking out um, the ingredient that made Atleti so competitive in the early twenty, in the opening changes, which was having a guy shadow Xavi Alonso perpetually. Mm-hmm. If you're going to take out Diego, then tell somebody else on the pitch to please go and perform that role of shadowing Xavi Alonso. But he didn't, because we didn't see anybody shadow Xavi Alonso the way Diego did after Diego got sub- mm-hmm. substituted. And from that point in time in the game, the, uh, Xavi Alonso just completely had his way. And we just basically, you know, uh, kind of like bashed through them, you know, and kind of like, yeah, we essentially bashed through them for the rest of the game or... They tried to bash us, but we still got the goals. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They did try to bash us. I'm glad we do have shin guards. Uh, and I almost wondered whether they should have just played with ankle guards also, but uh, mm. especially Cristiano. <laughs> um, but, I you know, believe he has an injury, actually, and won't be playing against Sporting this weekend because oh, of the uh, tackle Perea had uh, 
uh, made on him. That was another clear penalty that was not awarded. Yeah, that was a shocking tackle. I remember, that was a, that was another one of those uh, that everyone. Hey, I, I said it. Perea is a mistake or a penalty or a red card uh, waiting to happen every game, and he got away with one this game. But he sure enough made that bad tackle. Oh, you know, I was definitely going to give you. Uh, I was actually literally about to give you props last week. <laughs> you said that uh, Perea was uh, a penalty or a huge mistake waiting to happen, and there he was. And uh, just because the referee missed it doesn't mean it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a few truisms in soccer, and one, of course, is that you know Luis Perea is is just a, a disaster on the football pitch. It's 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 too bad because he is, seems like a decent player. He's very physically gifted, and uh, it doesn't seem like a bad player, a, a sort of a dirty player. But he just he can't control his body sometimes. I think is what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always felt like the Atleti as a team is one huge mistake waiting to happen, and uh, I always feel like they give us at least one goal per game. And uh, yeah. the fact that they hadn't given us the goal when we went in at halftime, that they hadn't made a big mistake, made me very confident that we were going to get one in, in the second half, which we eventually did uh, for the 3-1, which was that um, – or was that, was that the 4-1 or the 3-1 where uh, they kicked the ball into Higuain and he dribbled? I think it was the 3-1. Um, but anyways, that was, that was fantastic to watch. Um, you know, as as we kind of expected. Now, Angel Di Maria scored the the two one, uh, and it was it was a really magnificent goal. But and it was you know really created by a brilliant play from Cristiano. But I did want to talk a little bit about Di Maria. What do you guys think of the, the decision to bring him in and start him in this game immediately after his injury? Well, I think that the injury wasn't as as bad as we assumed it would be. Um, so that certainly is good because he is. Um, for all of his gifts, he's a kind of a frail player, if you will. Yeah. Um, just physical build. Uh, I won't say he's a weak player. I just say he's, he's fra- rather frail. So, uh, well, good to see that he he's you know f- able to to play again, and he'll have a huge part to play. I think this weekend against Sporting with, with Cristiano probably not able to go. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, yeah, and, and and you know, Mark, did you uh, do you have uh, any any qualms about uh, the decision there to start him? Or are you, you pretty much happy with it? Well, I was okay to. I was worried that you know Mourinho would like pull a, like a nine, give him like a ninety minute shift. But so I was quite relieved to see that yeah. he left at about 60, 60 plus minutes. So I mean, in, in that sense, he cumulated that he's still in a sense trying to break Di Maria in. But you know, going going back to what Corey said, I think it's just kind of quite a, a bit convenient that we also just we just saw Di Maria miss an entire international break, and uh, <laughs> maybe maybe. Yeah, maybe it is a, an injury that isn't as big as it was, you know, as it was published to be, and uh, which conveniently allowed him to miss those uh, friendly matches, and um, and maybe to just kind of add a little bit of justification to it, you know, allow him to miss the Valencia game because Mourinho was playing tr- playing to play the Trivote in that game anyway. But yeah, I thought he, <laughs> he looked quite sharp. I thought, um, you know, Di Maria. Before his injury, he was he has been responsible for quite a few assists, goal assists for Real Madrid, and I thought he was quite incisive as well. But for that second game, for that second goal, I thought uh, you know we were seeing a new Ronaldo in a sense because the old Ronaldo would have you know in a sense in a way tried to probably force the play, and you know if he still couldn't manage to get inroads into the goal, he would probably have you know forced some kind of contact to you know make a penalty claim or or something to that effect, but. Um, as Perea was essentially cutting off his his path to uh, get the ball to that favored right foot and closing off the angle, you know, Ronaldo used whatever little time and space he had to just make that cross. And 
you know, Ronaldo of last season and two seasons ago wouldn't have made that decision, and he did, and uh, that was a two-one, and it was you know it was an all goal from that point. Yeah, it was a great. It was really great to see. It was also, um, I have to say, when I when I was watching it, I was a little bit uh, skeptical as to whether it was intentional, like the, because you saw Benzema was running uh, towards the front of the play. Uh, and he seemed like the obvious target, and the ball just kind of went right behind him. And I said, "Oh, he missed the pass." And then out of nowhere, Di Maria comes bombing in and scores. Um, I just, I, 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 and I want to believe in Ronaldo, so I do. I really do believe this was intentional. But man, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he tried to get that ball. He was trying to get it over to Benzema, and it just kind of went off a little bit wrong, and we got a little lucky. <laughs> so that seems like the obvious pass there, but it was so far behind Benzema that I have to think that he was looking at Di Maria. Because um, you know Ronaldo doesn't miss by that much with any pass, so yeah. uh, that was what shocked me most. I mean, it looked like yeah, Benzema was the obvious choice there, but it was probably two or three body <laughs> lengths behind Benzema uh, when it finally got close to him. So I feel like it was actually intended for Di Maria. Yeah. Uh, well, Benzema was just a very good screen, yeah, very good dummy. <laughs> actually, if you watch, if you watch the replay, um, if you watch the replay closely and observe Benzema's reaction. Uh, not very long after Ronaldo releases the pass, his body language would indicate that he somehow automatically knew that that pass wasn't for him. Oh, okay. And he just kind of like... He uh, kind of rolled, uh, rolled around and waited yeah. for a rebound. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, All right. Sometimes. Well, good. <laughs> I want. I want to believe it. I, I, I'm. I'm. I'm pleased with that. That's. That's good to. That's good to see. Um. So I. I. I mean. I think overall the the sensations from the game were pretty good. Uh. We. Pre- it's pretty much more or less what we expected, right? I mean, there wasn't any. Uh. Anything out of the ordinary. I mean, Atleti seemed to me to be a little bit going for the. You're going for the hard challenge whenever they could. Uh. Going for you know this a little bit you know being a little physical, but you know I, I I we've seen Madrid be a little physical when we need to be, so I don't I don't begrudge them for trying to fight with us. Uh, you know, do, do you guys did you guys feel like this, there's anything in the game that kind of stood out to you as being odd or anything that we didn't kind of expect going into the going into the pregame? No, I think it was a pretty pretty solid win. Um, I think it'll do wonders for the morale. I think that you know, Letico Valencia. Getting these two convincing, I wouldn't say convincing in Valencia's game, but at least at least you got a win on the road there. Uh, convincing victory against Atletico, um, it's going to do wonders for the for the morale. And obviously, with Barcelona dropping points, it can only uh, push the team on to you know further the gap in the Clasico. So that's really what I look at these games for. Is uh, unfortunately this second half of the first half of the season, uh, it's all about the Clasico and. Uh, games against Atletico, games against Valencia, even the sporting game is really just a warm-up for the Classico. We all know that. We hate to admit it, but it's true. It, it totally is. Now, let's just um, jump off of that and, and let's gloat for just a second about the uh, Barca's loss to, to Hetafe. Did you either <laughs> of you guys get to see that one? Yeah, it, it was amazing because Getafe really didn't have a whole lot of um, chances in the game. And it seemed like the the chance that they scored from is a corner from Sarabia, a former Real Madrid player, um, put in by Valera, a former Atletico Madrid player. I don't think he actually headed the ball. I feel like it came off of his shoulder, um, which means that he completely messed up the, the <laughs> great opportunity he had, and he just got fortunate in scoring. And you know, after the game, he said, you know, that, that goal was not for Real Madrid. That goal was for my equipo, my, my team. Um, which is perfectly legitimate. Getafe is struggling a bit at the moment towards the bottom of the table. Um, but 
from Barcelona's sake, it was just one of those days. You know, they had plenty of chances. Uh, some of them just didn't go their way. I thought the offside decision um, looked legit, but then on a further replay, I think it was a, a perception thing. I think um, from the, the near side, it looked like he was off, but if I'm looking at it from the, um, the side the refer- assistant referee's on, he probably was clearly onside and the goal should have stood. So I'm caught your chickens a bit there. That was a little lucky on our part to, for them not to come away with at least a draw in that game. It was a really complicated bang bang play on on the offside uh-huh. there, like they all right. are. So we can't expect too much out of out of the ref on that call because it was just so close. It could have gone either way, and like most of the things, like including that shot off the post at the end of the game, it just didn't fall for Barca. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? Luck or destiny for Madrid in that game? Luck, certainly <laughs> luck. Uh, destiny is only only when we actually play them. That's what we make of it. So yes, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't look into. Barcelona dropping points. Anyone besides us is, is anything but luck. It is lucky though. It was. Uh, it's good to see. It also was to me. I mean, watching watching the match, and it, you know, admittedly, it was right after the the Atleti uh, the the derby. So I, you know, I was to the same bar. I uh, I was a little bit, you know, kind of excited about the about the match, celebrating. So I didn't get to watch it too closely. But it did seem to me like sure, Barca was better. They were dominating, doing their thing, but. I thought Hitafe A was defending well, and B uh, Barca just—they had a lot of chances, but their chances seemed to be from you know, a lot less dangerous, if that made sense, than than they normally were. They just didn't seem to want it as much until they were down, or until it was the last ten minutes of the game. So I, I have to say, I didn't th- I didn't love Barca uh, in that match um, until the very end, when of course they were great. And I thought, in fact, David Villa may have had his worst game that I've ever seen him play in that one. He's he's been struggling with form lately. I, I've definitely noticed that. Um, and Alexis Sanchez has not really uh, turned it on yet as their sort of marquee signing of the year. Of course, he was injured for a while, but uh, I thought he had a couple decent chances in that game and completely fluffed them. So, um, so some things are going wrong for them at probably a, a bad time. Um, but again, it's, it's a long season, and uh, it's inevitable to drop points on the road in the Liga. So I mean, we'll, we'll certainly do it. We already have against Levante. So yeah, um, definitely. Expect, expect more of that. I'll put it that way. Expect more of dropping points, and, and and what I what I always try to caution people with is saying that as a general rule, Barca and Madrid will drop points at essentially the same rate. So we will probably drop points at more or less the same rate, which means we probably should expect, and they will drop more points. We'll both drop more points. It's gonna happen. So it, it's just that we need to now. I think all of our attention needs to be on. Well, I mean, I guess on Sporting, we'll talk about them a little bit, but on the Clásico. But on that note, um, what do you guys make of the uh, six point uh, six point lead? Now is this um. This is pretty commanding for for La Liga. We've never led by that much during the Guardiola era. I think it's a very very big thing, and I think I've, I've talked about it so many times. Where I've only fantasized of a four point lead heading into the classical, but here we are presented with the opportunity to 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 move into the classical with a six point lead. So I think it's absolutely I think it's absolutely critical. It, it allows us. It puts us in exactly the situation that Mourinho wants us to be in. And I think also for the players, it allows the players to play without fear. Mourinho can institute a game plan and say, let's play it, let's try to beat them. Because I think that though Mourinho will try to be cautious, I think somehow he also understands the value of seeing, uh, having the players, this group of Real Madrid players, actually beat Barcelona and beat them in, in a manner that's convincing in terms of the scoreline. I mean, beyond a cup final and, you know, we've, we've, we've had a few strokes of, uh, 
we've had quite a number of unlucky strokes of luck uh, during the uh, Supercopa. So I think it, it allows a team to play that game um, with a calm head and without without that, you know, oh my God, if we don't win this game, we're going to lose La Liga. We're going to concede our lead again. You know, they can play it with absolute peace of mind to say that today we play this game, we're leading La Liga. And even if we lose it, win, lose or draw, we will still be leading, leading La Liga. I think that that kind of... Uh, Kind of, uh, we've got nothing to lose mentality. It's a big psychological edge for Real Madrid. And I do want to just, uh, <clears throat> as a uh, good journalist, make sure that we point out now that Barca is, it is possible, conceivable, that if uh, a couple of things happen, Barca will walk out of them, uh, out of the Bernabeu with a provisional lead, as they will be playing today against Rayo yes. Vallecano. So if they win that game, then they beat Madrid, they will technically have a lead. However, we will have a game in hand, which in this league is really equivalent to at least one point, uh, which would then give us back the lead. So I, I wouldn't, I, I do need to stress that. Uh, and I, but I also do want to stress that a game in hand in this league is a huge deal. Uh, so they shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't gloat too much if you're a Barca fan and, and beat us in the Camp Nou or beat us in the Bernabeu just because, oh, now we're the leaders. Well, not exactly because we have a game in hand still. Um, so, well, Rayo Vallecano is also a Madrid-based team. So if we can, um, you know, uh, if they can go to Getafe, a uh, suburb of Madrid, have a goal assisted by an ex-Real Madrid player and scored by an ex-Atletico de Madrid player, they're going into Rayo Vallecano, another uh, Madrid-based team. Uh, let's just hope that their string of luck against uh, Madrid-based teams keeps up, and i.e. they continue to drop points against all these Madrid-based clubs. Yeah, it's true. All right, well, we need to transition into sporting, uh, and we'll do a very quick one because uh, we're running short on time. Uh, we do. I, I did want to, one more thing, point out that uh, Rayo Vallecano uh, is the current home of uh, ex-Espanol uh, and Always in our hearts, Real Madrid legend Raúl Tamudo. (laughs) So let's hope that he can put a couple by him. (laughs) So Madrid are heading to Sporting this weekend. Sporting Gijón has always been uh, a a tough team. We did drop points in this fixture last year. We had that famous incident with uh, Manuel Preciado and and Mourinho having that big fight. Where are you guys on on this match? Mark, uh, or Corey, why don't you go ahead on this one? Well, I think it's it's a traditionally tough place to play for us. I think a lot of other teams have gone there already this year and gotten results. Um, but, you know, Levante obviously did very well. Um, they're sort of, <laughs> it's amazing to say they're sort of, sort of still close to the top of the table. So I guess they have um, sort of that little bit pedigree. Um, the build-up to the game has been kind of overshadowed by, of course, the, the Classico. Um, I wouldn't say it's a banana skin type game because I think the players are focused and this is, you know, a perfect opportunity, I think, for a lot of players to say, stake their claim that, hey, I want to start in the Classico. This game will will, will show why. Um, not having Ronaldo, I don't think, is a big deal. Um, he needs rest anyways. He's pretty much played every minute of every game this year, um, which is, you know, for any professional, is very difficult to do. So um, that'll be nice to see him get some rest. Uh, beyond that, Sporting's a poor team. Um, they're going to defend very well. They're going to be very energized with their home crowd. But I think a, a one or two no win is certainly um, what Marina will look for on the cards. They'll look to keep it tight and um, hope for no injuries. Yeah, exactly. That's the, and that's the key point. Uh, Mark, what would you emphasize as a kind of a, a potential storyline going into the match? 
Man, well, preciado. Uh, La Liga's very own Super Mario. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, this little uh, tussle that he had with Mourinho, as far as I understand, has ended in peace, given that uh, he has actually gone out in public and said that Mourinho has actually called him up and even uh, offered his condolences, I think, when Preciado's dad passed away. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Preciado is a feisty coach, and... Uh, He's probably not as good as, as a, a coach as he makes him himself out to be, but I think the heroics that uh, the Sporting players put on at the Molinon uh, last season in this same fixture will very, very well be you know tattooed into the minds of the Real Madrid players who 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 were who played that game last season, and I think that's that the memory of uh, you know those lost points will basically. Yeah, probably stick to the Madrid players who'll be playing uh, this Saturday and will be on the mind of Mourinho as well. And I think that's what's going to fire up the team to say, you know, we're going to essentially will ourselves to win um, in this stadium, however difficult it is. And uh, regardless of how hard, uh, how deep they, they park that bus, we will bash it through. Totally, totally, totally. All right, so what, what about, let's get some predictions here. Uh, Corey? Uh, I, I, I'd say 2-0. No. Um, probably going to see Higuain score in this game. He seems to have a knack for getting those, I wouldn't say garbage goals, but certainly the, the, the last goal against Zaleco he scored was uh, a little bit fortunate. Definitely came off of the, the mid-drift area for all you Valencia fans still fuming out there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, 2-0 to, no to Madrid. Uh, I think we'll just consolidate for, for the weekends. Don't expect a great show on that sporting. Unless you want to see a great performance from the crowd because the sporting crowd is always a, a good, good group of uh, totally. good group of fans totally totally alright all right, uh, Mark well, I was going to say 2-0 but for the sake of being original <laughs> maybe I'll say 3-0 I think be, I'll chalk it up to a little extra fire in the belly of Mourinho and the Madrid players uh, for this match and I will. I'm actually going to go with one nothing, just because uh, I think we get the gig, the uh, the goal early, then press the whole match. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I think they're going to really try to keep it tight, just because um, they're not going to want to give up anything more than they have to. Um, but again, you know, who knows? Levante just beat them for nothing, so I don't know. All right, guys. Well, we will have us um, have us a fun podcast next weekend to recap uh, next week to recap the match. Thanks so much for coming on. It was great to have you as always. Thank you. All right. See you guys again. See you next week. A la Madrid. Oh, and remember, you can catch us on Tuesdays, um, uh, every week on Tuesdays on managingmadrid.com and realmadridfootballblog.com. A la Madrid. Six, six points, yeah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> A la Madrid, a la Madrid, noble y bella.